Hello and welcome to the Knowledge Without College podcast. This is your host, Patrick Butler. And today I have a phenomenal conversation to share with you. Uh, I just spoke with Solbra. He runs a Twitter account by the same name, uh, which I've been following for quite some time and is filled with some incredible content all about health, wellness, and many other topics. I highly recommend you give him a follow. Uh, We talk about a lot of things related to physical health, mental health in this conversation, and I had a really great time, and I'm sure you're going to love it. So please, without further delay, enjoy this conversation with Solbra. Hey, Solbra, thank you so much for joining us, man. It's a real honor to have you on the show. Uh, thanks for having me, man. It's good to be here. So tell me, for, or for the audience out there, would you mind uh, telling them a little bit about your background and, and sort of what you're up to right now? For sure. Well, it all started, <clears throat> excuse me, it all started kind of when I was in my early teens and I first started getting into the uh, health and fitness information sphere, if you will, uh, just it kind of started with me voraciously reading everything I could get my hands on, right? Um, if I was interested about a, how to get bigger or how to get healthier or how to sleep better or whatever, I would just head to the internet, that huge uh, source of information that everyone has access to. Um, and I would just kind of delve into whatever took my fancy, try it out in my own life. Uh, and that kind of built up over several years um, into like a, a bit of a passion um, for human optimization as a whole, I guess. Uh, obviously, as you're a young, a young man growing up, you want to you get bigger, you want to get stronger, and that's where it started. But it, it evolved into something a bit more for me anyway. Um, so I, was, I would do a lot of research and, and, and all that and reading by myself. And as I came in up to, to, uh, through school, um, I went to college. I studied a bachelor's and a master's. Um, but that is all kind of just backstory. What I'm doing now is more a relic of that kind of self information retrieval, you know, and that self study, um, any question that I had, I would just research myself. And I think you can get a lot out of that, out of that kind of by yourself, um, information and, so what I'm doing now was something I've wanted to do for a long time that I never really pursued as such until uh, the last kind of year and a half. Um, it was always stuck in the back of my mind. Like I have all this information and, and knowledge now that I, I, I just want to share with people. So it started with the Twitter account, the Twitter account where I would kind of summarize and release all my best information in a form that I think translates to the regular person a bit more. Um, maybe you don't have the time to delve into it like, like I did over the years. So the essence of what I'm doing now is kind of transcribing 
all of the stuff that I've discovered over the last well, it's probably about 10 years now um, and delivering it into some kind of, into a easily digestible form to try and help people kind of get into or optimize their lives, their sleep. Cause man, that's, that's something huge that I didn't even realize is like when I was trying to optimize every kind of area of my life, I realized how lacking the average person is. And that's not like, I'm not ragging on anyone. It's just like, people don't know how to make their sleep better and they don't know, or maybe they don't consciously realize how much sleep affects their life, their mood, you know, their body fat, their muscle tone, all of that. And that's just one area. So I kind of saw this mismatch between maybe the, the, the relic health advice of the institutions that are around at the moment. Um, I'm not saying the institutions are you know, evil in that sense, but they promote a lot of information that's not really optimal or, or based on kind of old legacy thinking that doesn't really translate to real life. So I'm trying to kind of fill that gap between what's practical, what works, what's backed up by the science that is there, um, but also not just myopically focused on any one topic. Uh, if something interests me, I want to delve into it. Um, and the kind of the Solbra Twitter was a way to deliver that to people. And, and that's transpired into a, a lot more, I guess. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's the whole of it. Um, producing content, writing, all of that kind of stuff to try and transmit this message of, of helping people to take their health and, and other areas of their life into their own hands. Um, and I just want to kind of facilitate that. I love it, man. Well, you know, for, for everyone listening, I, I can't recommend enough your, your Twitter feed and your Twitter threads, uh, the, you know, sort of breaking down, you can tell that it's, it's a ton of information being broken down mm -hmm. into very digestible, uh, you know, uh, form, which is, you yeah. know, it's like Twitter threads are turning into an art of their own. And, you know, I think you've really Definitely. got a good grasp on it. And it's uh, sort of amazing what you can learn in just like five minutes of scrolling through one thread. Um, yeah, that's the thing. It's like, it's all very well and good having pages and pages and pages of a scientific journal that, you know, explains the biological processes and what affects what. But most people don't have the time or, or whatever else to delve into it to that level. So the Twitter thread, especially, you know, you it's kind of a, a function of how Twitter's set up. Um, you have, what is it, 280 characters per tweet? Something um, like that. Yeah. So you really have a limited scope in which to deliver it. And I, I usually, what I do is I'll write like a, a summary of whatever I'm talking about, paragraph each, and then I'll cut each paragraph to a, a bite-sized tweet. And my aim is to, for someone that is, you know, browsing Twitter on the way to work, they can see a, a three or four tweet kind of summary of a concept, take that away in a digestible format and then make implementations, practical implementations into their own life um, rather than having to sit down and, you know, knock it all, all the research out themselves, which is just not practical and not everyone's going to have the time to do that as well. Yeah. I mean, not to mention, you know, once you usually start going down research rabbit holes, you know, it's, it's not just reading like one paper, it's usually getting a full scope of like what's out there in the fields to really have an idea of, 
of what to implement, what's more accurate than other things. And so when you find sort of like a trusted voice on, mm. you know, whether it's Twitter or another social media platform, it's like, I can read your, tw- your threads knowing that you, you've done that due diligence, or at least assuming mm. so, since the, the results are there from, uh, you know, the things that I've been able to implement. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's that, um, this information itself is all very well and good, but if you have the information, but it doesn't translate to anything meaningful in your life, then really how good is that information? You know, it's just kind of rattling around in your head, um, with no application. So what, so yeah, kind of finding those sources of information and, and thank you for saying, you know, that I'm a trusted source or whatever. Um, it's just those those people that seem to move the needle in your own life if if you listen to what they're saying and, and seeing implementations from their stuff. So I think that's super important is like not taking someone's word just because of the the title that they have or the position that they hold because you never know if, if they might have BS their way into that position. That's an unfortunate kind of what happens in, in modern society is sometimes I'd say most people don't know what the fuck they're talking about and they kind of BS their way into positions where they know someone that they got them the job or, or whatever else they've just been around a long time and they haven't had to upskill, you know, even, even people like doctors though. And you know, there are obviously great doctors out there and, and all that, but they, go through medical school and they learn the kind of limited scope and framework of, of the medical school uh, curriculum. And then they practice as a doctor and they don't read anything else for the next 20 years. And that's, that's quite uh, not dangerous, but just if you don't update the information that you're giving out to people, especially related to health and fitness, when there are improvements and there are kind of revelations each, each month as such, um, then you're not going to be able to deliver the most up-to-date information. Um, and, you know, if you have the MD after your name, people start to trust you and that's great. And obviously it takes a, a huge deal to kind of go through med school. I'm not taking that away from anyone, but it's just an example of, of some of these positions or, or positions of authority that we look to in society that they might not necessarily be completely up-to-date or, you know, you go to them, oh, I have trouble sleeping. And they say, take this sleeping medication. And then you get stomach problems. So you take a Tums or an antacid to just fix your stomach problems that you're getting from the sleeping medication, just kind of this treating the symptom yeah. uh, mentality, um, which I think is pretty pervasive in terms of Western medicine. So that's one of the other things that I try and promote is if you're taking medication, you know, that's, it's a bandaid fix and you don't want to be on, on it for any length of time because your body will get used to it. And you're not really treating, treating the root cause of whatever else is uh, affecting you. So that's something else that I try to consciously get people to engage with as well. Yeah. I mean, I think we saw a really multiple examples of, you know, people achieving these certain positions, you know, maybe politically that doesn't seem like they would really qualify for like during the coronavirus a number of maybe oh, yeah. like the health ministers and things <laughs> like that are, you know, way overweight or look very sickly or they don't look the like Belgian, the kind of people. The Belgian health minister yeah. is the one that always comes to mind. I mean, if anyone looks that up, uh, yep. just a quick Google image, they can see, hmm, this person's meant to be advising me on health. Uh, yeah, yeah, it doesn't really make sense to me. Yeah, it's pretty, uh, It's you know, it's, it's uh, I think it's certainly, you know, worth 
or let's say it's not to take away from doctors and credentials and the needs mm. for all those things, but it is under having an understanding of like sort of the systematic flaws. Like you mentioned, uh, a doctor gets their, you know, they, they might get out into the workforce as a doctor uh, and maybe never do additional research after that. I'm sure a lot of them probably do try to improve their own skills, but you don't yeah. know for sure. So taking their advice offhand may, you know, it, it could lead to a situation where again, like you mentioned is, you know, you're maybe over prescribing medications or, or utilizing pharmaceuticals more than you might need to compared to your natural state. And I think that's one of the things that uh, it seems like a growing movement in general of people that are trying to focus on how to remedy health situations naturally. I, I know yeah. I think of it all the time. I think like, you know, would a caveman need Tums, you know, like what, what's yeah. the real issue here that would, that would, yeah. uh, is causing this problem. Yeah, exactly. And the internet kind of facilitates you to be able to do that. Now you can find, and you know, don't trust everything you read on the internet. Of course, that's not what I'm saying. But when you have these, when you do the research and maybe you have a health issue that you're looking into in general, the cream rises to the crop, you know, you, you'll see the information pop up uh, that seems to work for a lot of people. That's the benefit of having things like internet forums is you can go to internet forums where people will be discussing the exact health issue that you might be having and say, Hey, this, this worked for me. I tried this. Um, and so that's a really good way to, to kind of frame it. But uh, the, the thing about kind of natural living and all that is that at least what I've found is most health issues or, you know, if it's not a, uh, you know, a dangerous health issue as such, but just, you know, your, your hair isn't looking that good or healthy. It's like, okay, that's because you're slathering it in shampoo, which is this kind of chemical approximation made up by some big pharmaceuticals company. And you're washing your hair and stripping your hair of the natural oils uh, twice a day, every day for the last five years, because, you know, you just, I need to wash my hair when I'm in the shower. It's like, you don't. And um, the shampoo and conditioner is actually taking away from the health of your scalp. Uh, so I've, I've recommended a lot of people stop using shampoo and conditioner. Uh, it usually takes maybe one to two weeks for your scalp to kind of get used to not having the oil stripped of it uh, to rebalance the oil that it produces. But after that period, people usually come back to me and say, Hey man, my, my hair's looking better than ever. It kind of flows naturally it stars itself almost because it's just the natural hair oils that it's meant to produce. Um, and I'll use a bit of coconut oil as conditioner. That's a, a good tip for anyone that's interested in, in doing that. But it's one of those things where you're taking away the accepted modern uh, solution or, or, or chemical or whatever else it is that is affecting your health in the negative, but you might not necessarily have thought about it because it's, you know, you're just washing yourself or whatever else, but it's that idea of taking away the modern influence and, and being aware that you're exposing your body to a lot of toxic stuff that you might not have to, you definitely don't have to, and you're going to feel better when you take away all these external uh, influences on your health. Another one would be, obviously artificial light and, and people have heard about blue light uh, and all that, but I even take it a step further. So first of all, no electronics about an hour and a half, two hours before bed, ideally, 
Um, and I'll have in my room and in my house in the kind of hours before bed is either a candlelight or uh, a deep red light. Um, and what that does is, is, is kind of prepares your brain for sleep a lot better than looking at electronics. Um, there's a few other reasons why we shouldn't look at electronics before bed, but the main one is just timing of circadian rhythm. So the blue light that comes into your eyes from electronic devices is of the same wavelength or similar than that daylight is, right? You have those blue light wavelengths coming in. So when your brain, your brain isn't recognizing that it's like an artificial light source to so your brain, it's just kind of going, oh, there's, there's a bit of daylight coming in. So let's, let's try and stay awake a little bit longer or maybe it's not time for sleep yet. So if you're browsing your phone or, or your laptop right before bed, even TVs, um, then, or you're watching something in bed, then that's going to really fuck with your circadian rhythm. So that's another thing that I recommend to people as like a first kind of steps to try and re-naturalize in a way your body and your brain is to cut all the electronics out like two hours before bed, read by candlelight, um, you know, do some stretching, that kind of thing to kind of prepare yourself for sleep. And I guarantee that most people will feel a lot more tired earlier if they have trouble sleeping like oh i only get to bed at midnight it's like yeah but you're on your phone until 11 45 <laughs> you know like yeah, all of totally. these things which people accept as as part of modern life are, are things you can mostly cut out or, or do without uh, and kind of return to a, a more natural body state and and mind state and you're going to see health improvements across the board yeah, I mean, when you think about how, you know, our current human state, you know, is a product of over a million years of evolution in one particular direction, and then you consider, you know, modern technology and how it's just been the past blink of an eye that humans mm. have had access to light, uh, you know, after dark like that. Um, yeah. So, and, and the more that you do that, the more that you try to draw comparisons between some modern amenities uh, to sort of what a natural state would be i think people yeah. you know it's kind of alarming to see how many things uh, you could probably cut out or, or you know need to reconsider or uh alter about your habits or lifestyle to to get back to that natural state but it's kind of amazing to see what the results are from that yeah 100 percent. the other one that i would say is a big one at the moment is that most people will wake up maybe it's a little bit dark in the morning they'll have a shower indoors uh, with their bathroom light, they'll go to work in their car, uh, get to work, be under fluorescent office lighting for eight, nine hours, get in their car, come back, they'll watch TV. And that whole day, they haven't actually been exposed outside to natural light the whole day. And they'll do that Monday to Friday for years. And it's just mind blowing to me that like, of course you're not going to feel good when you're under these artificial light sources. You're not getting outside. You're, you're breathing recycled air. You know, you all of these things kind of contribute to if that's what your major environment is, um, you know, 80% of your waking life, you, it's impossible to feel good doing that. Um, so I, I really recommend people, especially when they first wake up um, sunrise, not sunrise as such, but morning sunlight is really good to get into your eyes when you first wake up. Again, it's helping to time that circadian rhythm. So your, your brain kind of knows, okay, this is, this is when we get out. This is when we need to be active. So let's start firing all the things, all the chemicals behind the scenes that make us feel awake. Um, and if, 
another thing is if you're getting that morning sunlight, um, it'll enable your brain to time for sleep as well. So getting that morning, morning sunlight is super important throughout the day uh, on my lunch break. If possible, I'll, I'll go outside for my lunch break from work and I'll, you know, pop the shirt off, get as much sun as possible, just go for a half hour walk or whatever else. Uh, but little things like that can, can really make a difference. And also if you, the vitamin D side of it as well is super important for testosterone production, for dopamine production, all of these things, which contribute to our state of mind in general, that you wouldn't, you don't necessarily think, okay, if I'm, I need to get some sun, um, my mood will improve. You don't conceptualize it or you're not conscious of it on a day-to-day basis, but if you're not getting sun on a regular basis, you're really hindering yourself in terms of your mood um, and all the rest of it as well. Yeah, I mean, you think about, again, like place yourself, you know, 5,000 years ago, whatever, where you would have lived under the sun for a majority of the day our bodies and our skin is acclimated to that to be able to produce vitamin D, which is, you know, really more than a, or vitamin D as you would call it, uh, (laughs) uh, which is even more of a, uh, more than a vitamin so much as like, it's also, uh, a, it's pretty much a hormone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it dramatically affects your mood and, uh, you know, you, you consider people used to worship the sun and now today that seems so completely, uh, you know, it seems, it's kind of strange to even consider that, but uh, it's because of how much our modern world, we just have artificial light. We don't need it. Yeah. Well, without the sun, none of us would be here. None of the plants would be here. We'd all be frozen on a a floating rock somewhere. So it really is important um, to get, I remember when I was studying abroad at a place that had uh, not, not as much sun as, as I'm used to here, but I did legit get some kind of seasonal depression and that's not, you know, it wasn't that bad, but for me, I'm usually a very happy go lucky person and and nothing can kind of get me down as such. Um, So when I was kind of moping around and, you know, living in this place where I didn't really realize it at first, I was still getting outside, but because of the cloud and, and the rain factor, it's not the same as getting pure sunlight on your skin. Um, and I really did notice the difference with kind of just my general mood. I was less motivated to do things and, and just more prone to kind of wallowing in negative thoughts. Um, so that's something if people have anxiety or depression, like first thing I would say is like, okay, get outside in the morning, get outside during the, the afternoon sun um, and see how you go from there. So how do you typically address, because I mean, in order to identify that maybe I'm not feeling so motivated or, you know, my mood mm-hmm. is down, I think there's like a, a lot of people that just simply don't even have sort of a gauge on where they're at compared to like maybe a, a, a baseline state or anything. Do you have yeah. any, you know, methods or ideas around how to sort of like start to measure your state and your health and, you know, your, your mindset or, or mood? Yeah. So it's, it's all relative, you know, like, you know, you don't know what you're missing out on until you felt like what it is like to be naturally healthy and happy and, you know, have everything, all the, all the levels kind of operating at the right levels. So I would say just to kind of, you know, start getting out in nature. If you're not exercising, of course, exercise and, you'll get a taste of what it feels like, you know, clean up your diet, 
a lot of people don't realize that what you eat impacts your gut microbiome. So all the little creatures that live inside your gut, um, they have a specific role in the body that is heavily tied to uh, neurotransmitter production. So if you're feeding that uh, kind of system inside you with shitty foods like Cheetos and Mountain Dew and, and all that garbage, then you're going to feel shit as well. And, it, and it's like, it's, it's such a, a double whammy, right? There are so many kind of conf um, added factors that go into that. But So your microbiome isn't going to be able to produce the neurotransmitters that it needs to that make you feel better and make you feel motivated. Um, but also your energy levels from eating the sh shit food is going to be down. Like you're, you're not getting the vitamins and minerals and, and other such things that are required by these biological processes to get you kind of running optimally. So... I would say to anyone, you know, any, anyone feels better when they, they haven't drunk alcohol for a while. Um, everyone knows what it feels like when they eat better. You know, I don't think people are like, they're not unaware of how to live healthy or, or eat better, I guess. Like everyone knows that fast food is bad for you as such, but maybe they just need the kind of little push or just a, a jog to be a wet, more conscious of what they're doing and what they're putting into their bodies and, and what practices they're having. Another one I would say is uh, to limit your mobile phone use. I mean, this is such a huge one that kind of gets accepted by everyone. You know, everyone's addicted to their phone and I still use my phone more than I would like to. Um, that's kind of related to, to being on Twitter and, and building the Twitter there. So, you know, some of it is unavoidable, but again, a few hours before bed, uh, without mobile phone use, you're going to feel a lot better from doing that. So it's, it's all, there are a kind of base level, few things you can do for yourself that you're immediately going to notice the difference <clears throat> to the point where it's going to motivate you to make further changes and go, okay, if I can feel better doing this, if you know, what's the next step, what's the next thing that I can do? Um, and you know, all of these things are compounding, um, because you'll, you'll feel better, so you'll make better decisions, and then you'll feel better, and then you'll make better decisions, and, and just in general kind of... And it, it's all a take it a, a step at a time, you know. Rome wasn't built in a day kind of thing. Just each day, do better than before, than the previous day. And over time, as long as you stick to that, and there will be backward steps and things, of course, like in everything, but just overall, be, trying to be more conscious of what you're doing, what you're putting into your body, what negative uh, external sources might be having an effect on your mind state or, or whatever else um, and just removing those negative influences. And that, that can include relationships as well. Um, if, if you're kind of have a friend that, or a relationship in your life that isn't really giving you that much or, or makes you feel shit all the time, then and analyze that as well and analyze if maybe you need to make a change in, in that um, to just, to just return to kind of some sort of, yeah, like just to optimize your health and, and feeling in general. Um, and I think most people will feel a difference just from that. Um, most people feel a difference from getting their sleep in check to the point where it's like, oh shit, okay, I don't have to feel tired all day. Um, and when you're not tired, you're not going to be cranky, your work's going to be better, all these things that I think uh, it's a no brainer for anyone to get into. And, and once you get a taste of that, it's kind of addictive in a sense. And then you can, you, you have the motivation and, and the more energy to, to kind of 
develop that from there. Yeah. I mean, uh, I've found in my own experience, you know, something like working out, you know, sort of becomes like a cornerstone for building additional habits off of, you know, you go to the gym and then you realize that if you want to maximize your results from the gym, you know, you should probably get enough sleep. You know, if you want to maximize your, your muscle gain or whatever, you need to optimize your diet. Um, you know, so yeah. to build additional good habits off of one cornerstone habit, uh, you know, can usually help with, you know, taking it one step at a time and then working more and more, getting into, you know, additional supplements that might help or uh, really yeah. just, just moving, you know, sort of like you said, Rome was built in a day, uh, one step yeah. at a time towards that optimized living. Yeah, for sure. And the, the, the gym one working out is, is such a big springboard for that. Um, obviously that the benefits of working out itself are, are neurable, but it, what it teaches you is a, is a kind of firsthand uh, experiment in, in your own body. It's like, if I focus on and commit to doing this regularly, then I improve and you can see visual improvement. You know, you're, you're, you'll feel better. First of all, you'll have less anxiety from, from utilizing that physical energy. So the mental energy isn't bouncing around your head and all that, but it teaches you that if you can focus on something and commit to something and repeat uh, an activity, you'll get better and develop in that activity. And then you can take that mindset to anything, uh, whether it's uh, a business venture you want to get into or, or whatever else developing public speaking skills. It's like, if you, delve into it, you know, you research it, you commit to repeating it day on day on day on day for, you know, in your life, then you can improve at anything. And that's what going to the gym taught me. And that's what I think a, a lot of people get out of working out is that, oh shit, I actually can um, get better at something and, and develop and, and all that as long as I commit the time to it and, 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 you become disciplined in, in whatever area you want to go into. Yeah, absolutely. I, I actually uh, can completely agree with you on that. It's, it was, it took for me going to the gym a little bit to start seeing results to realize that it's like, Oh wow. Yeah. If, with the time, with the energy, uh, you can actually make a visual change. And that, uh, you know, way of that sort of like breaks down some mental barriers for other areas of your life where you're like, Oh, you know, I, I thought I was sort of stuck in this circumstance for, my entire life or I wouldn't be able to grow beyond this point. But yeah. once you've sort of been able to prove something uh, that, you know, all of a sudden those barriers dissolve away. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I'm curious about, uh, you know, or sort of the, the idea of the modern way of living uh, and how it relates to not just things that you could remove from your life to, you know, feel more, optimize or be in a more natural state. I mean, a lot of the things that you talk about are things that you could add to your life, uh, different supplements or, or, you know, mm -hmm. dietary suggestions and things like that. Um, you know, I have, have you like gone through the science of some of the, let's say like processed foods and what processed, uh, you know, really over processed anything can have on our lifestyles, uh, you know, and, and, or, just on our overall health and accumulating toxins in your body? Yeah. Well, the main one that I, that I kind of rail against a lot is like processed foods. If you, if you shift to a whole food basis, um, you know, only eating kind of ingredients 
that you can see, you know, like you see an apple, you know, it's going to be an apple. You, you know that there isn't anything kind of nasty in that, but if you're getting anything from a packet, you just don't know what's been done behind the scenes. And there are food label ingredients and all that, which, which help. But as far as a general rule, I think to stay away from anything that will be able to sit on a shelf, you know, for weeks on end and be fine and quote unquote edible after four weeks, it's like, Hmm, does that, is that really something you should be putting inside your body at that point? So the main ones is, uh, that is kind of pervasive, at least in, in most processed foods, uh, vegetable oils. So polyunsaturated fatty acids, um, things like canola oil, soy, soybean oil, uh, vegetable oils, um, is the kind of generic term that, 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 uh, are used in processed foods, but it's, it's unbelievable how pervasive that this kind of, that these oils are in processed foods. It's, it's, it's used as like a shortening, um, things are fried in it. That's the, the main thing that, that like fast foods used to, to fry all their stuff in. So do you know why these types of oils as opposed to natural oils or like coconut yes. oil, olive oil? So coconut oil and olive oil have a higher proportion of saturated fats, but they're also, so the, the plant oils or whatever that are good for you, like olive oil and coconut oil. So there's kind of a, a difference in how they're made. So you squeeze an olive, you get the juice of the oil of an olive that comes out, right? You, you squeeze a coconut or, or smush it down or whatever else the process is, coconut oil comes out. Um, so it's kind of just like the natural juice, if you will, of the plant. Um, sure. But these other oils kind of get created uh, with petroleums and, and hexanes and all these things that it's like a, a chemical process that's added on top of, you know, like you can't squeeze, uh, what is it, the the vegetable oil crops like soy and things and get the same kind of natural oil. You have to have this added layer of chemical processing that goes through it, which then like, it's a lot cheaper and that's why it's used. Like even, even high end restaurants will use that because it's cheaper than using butter or, or olive oil or coconut. Um, and it's just, it's like, it's super inflammatory for the body. Um, opens yourself up to metabolic diseases. Like there's a lot of extra calories in there that, you know, all oils and, and fats obviously have calories in them. So you can be eating something, but if it's slathered in olive oil, that's like, sorry, not olive oil, in vegetable oils or, or cooked in vegetable oils, you get this added hit of calories that you might not be aware of as well as it, it impacts metabolic processes, right? So the other thing about polyunsaturated fatty acids is that because they're seed oils, um, they oxidize at a lower temperature than these other oils do. So what that means is when that goes into your body, um, because our internal temperature is higher than like the soil, uh, they tend to oxidize. And when you get oxidation, that leads to free radical damage, that can lead to cancer, that can lead to all these you know, inflammatory health problems that I think is, well, I... I, I say I know, I definitely think it's one of the, if not the top reason that we're seeing a lot more heart disease and, and, and all these other kind of metabolic diseases in, in modern society is that vegetable oil is so widely consumed in all the processed foods and even things like muesli bars. Like why the fuck do you need to put vegetable oil in muesli bars? Like it's just nuts and fruit, but lo and behold, you check ingredients and 
you'll see vegetable oils in there. So that's one of the first things that I say to people is like, stop cooking canola oil, uh, stop using these kind of processed chemical approximations of oil, uh, use something like a, a good quality extra virgin olive oil. Um, that can tend to smoke if you're cooking at higher temperatures. So I use ghee, which is clarified butter. Get a nice, a nice ghee to cook in as well. Um, but kind of having that rule of no vegetable oils, no soy, no canola, all those things. Um, if you look for those ingredients and, and you make that lifestyle change, that alone gets rid of a lot of the worse modern foods for you um and you'll feel a lot better from that as well and you're not, you're not going to be eating you know even like potato chips and things like that they're relatively innocuous you think it's just potatoes or whatever but if you're regularly consuming that um there's going to be a few carryover health effects that that you can avoid um by switching to like a, a whole field whole foods only diet yeah, I mean, I, I've found that uh, identifying the vegetable oils has been one of the probably the biggest like health piece of advice that I've been following recently. And when you realize how many things have it in there, if you cut those out entirely, that's like the best guiding light for yes. you know, the food yeah. that you should be eating. It's and it's, yeah. it goes back to the same idea of like you know we ne- did not evolve to be able to eat this highly processed food. Our bodies don't know what it's dealing with. Um, yeah. and when you look at like, uh, you know, some potato chips, maybe like Doritos, I don't know if they have those over there. Um, yeah. they're like, you know, they're disgusting. essentially, <laughs> yeah, they're disgusting, they're, but they're, they're chemically engineered to be unbelievably tasty. Right. Um, yeah. and so it's sort of one of those things where also, I think a lot of people are not aware of how vulnerable our, you know, our bodies are to these, you know, highly engineered foods and snacks that are, you know, again, there's like there's uh, a lot of work and a lot of thought that goes into making it the, you know, ultimate experience between the different tastes and uh, you know, flavor palettes that it hits and being salty and sweet and all these things and how vulnerable our, our, you know, our bodies are to caving into these uh, the cravings for these over-processed foods because we never were supposed to evolve to even find these things in nature. And now they're here right in front of you, chemically engineered in every gas station and, corner store uh, available yeah exactly it's like sugar as such would be something that you come across very rarely in the wild you know things like honey and fruit are really the only sources um and when you get that super hit of, of sugar in chocolate or or any of these other things um it's just not a really a natural way that your body is exposed to these things um the other thing i'll say about seed oils that i think is important um, is because the oils that these plants are producing, they produce the oils for protection um, as well as to kind of store energy for the germination of the seed. So like any plant or organism, they don't want to be eaten, right? So they have defenses, whether like plants, because they're not moving, they have to, they can't, you know, just up and run like any other animal would uh, away from a predator. So they produce these kind of, poisonous um ways of kind of so what happens is the the oils block the digestive enzymes in animals stomachs um and as you can kind of think digestion is one of our most basic functions um and everything kind of relates back to digestion um so so you're kind of getting you're eating this shitty food but it's also coming with this hit that's impacting your digestion of any other good foods that you might be eating. Um, so 
all of these things, um, enzymes are needed not only for digestion, um, but also for production of thyroid hormones, immunity, all of these things that kind of get blocked by these seed oils. Um, but like you're saying about the availability of sugar and things is we aren't designed to have chocolate and, and sugar or soft drinks is a huge one. A lot of people will, will see weight loss if they just cut soft drinks out alone, whether or not they're conscious of every Coke being like, you know, 300 calories or whatever, because they're just drinking is like, there are so many things that we kind of accept in today's world that you can see massive health changes from, from eliminating as well. But it does require a bit of effort and, and discipline and, and all that. And sometimes you will, you'll have to say no to like a, a cake or whatever at work. That's a big one that I see, you know, you can do it in a way that isn't socially, what's the word? Isn't gonna, not rude, maybe. Yeah. Not rude. Um, just say, Oh no, that, that doesn't agree with me. And, and don't be like, ew, no, like what you're eating shit. Like, I think that's a very important point. You don't want to make other feel, people feel bad by your choices. And some people will just take offense to that anyway. Like, oh, well, you don't want to eat this shitty cake that I picked up from, from the store. You know, that means you think you're better than me, but that's just insecurity and that's just projection. And you have to be aware that that's going to happen sometimes, um, but kind of be strong in the face of that and, and make sure that you're kind of sticking to your own guns in that sense. Um, but not making anyone on purpose feel bad for what they're doing as well. And, and when you come at it from that kind of place, people are more open and they'll, maybe they'll come to you later after the, the office work party and be like, Oh, Hey man, so what, why don't you eat that? And you know, why is it that you prepare your own food? Like uh, I'm interested in that. And I found that if you, operate from that kind of place of, yeah, you know, whatever. I, I just don't want to eat that. I don't want to put that into my body. Um, that a lot of people are more open to the, the conversation about it rather than being like, Oh, that's disgusting. Like you're an idiot for eating that kind of thing. Yeah. It's, it's pretty interesting to think about how much like social pressure in, in general relates to health. You know, we talked earlier about, about doctors and, and, you know, just sort of being a figure of authority and how that naturally sort of like makes it hard to go against that grain if, if you know they're widely accepted as a figure of authority. If you're in one of those social situations, uh, you know, an office party or whatever, where you know it's sort of expected that you indulge in whatever the processed food is, um, or even you know just being able to uh, you know just go against guidelines. You, you talked about uh, you know using or consuming real butter as opposed to, you know, mm -hmm. like there was a large, uh, trend to like make margarine seem better. I can't is, believe it's not butter. Yeah. I can't <laughs> believe it's not butter as if that's healthier. Um, and you know, there's this stigma out there about fats and, you know, sort of like <clears throat> the, uh, the way that a lot of people sort of default, uh, way of thinking about some health issues, you know, they, they mm -hmm. get influenced by some figure of authority and how hard it can be for people to sort of swim in the opposite direction of the current there. Yeah, that's a maybe a larger issue of going against societal conditioning, <clears throat> which is it has uh, far-reaching effects, not just for health and fitness, but kind of what you want to do with your life. It's that grander issue of 
you get told that you need to study this thing. Your parents kind of push you into a certain career because they, they obviously they want the best you. And a lot of the time, the advice coming from parents is out of love. You know, they, they want you to do well and they want you to be secure and safe and, and go through the kind of at least what they think is, is the best path of action for your life. But at the end of the day, that's not always what you should be doing, whether it's just a, an area that you're not interested in, uh, whether it's a, a career that might've been good in their day, but now you're, you know, you're, you're spending years studying, uh, paying money to study when you could just be, you know, starting a business or, or, or working straight away that if they think it's the best thing for you, they're going to say, yep, you should do this. You should do that. Society as a whole uh, more so says, you know, you've got to be stable. You've got to have a good income and, and, you know, work nine to five, all these kind of things, which are pushed by society um, that might not necessarily work out for you and your goals. And I think that's one of the important things that people need to do is, is analyze what they're doing day to day and, and their kind of career or, or what they're working towards and really think like, am I doing this for me or am I doing this because of the, the pressures that, that I might not be consciously aware of that the people think it's the best thing for me to do because otherwise you're going to end up, you know, 20 years down the line having done this thing that everyone says you should do never consciously being aware that maybe you don't want to do it and you don't want to be stuck there forever. Uh, and the earlier you kind of analyze that thinking and break out of that conditioning, uh, the better, because you're going to be able to make decisions that lead to your own personal happiness and your own personal version of success. Uh, which is another thing that I think you should sit down at some point just with a notebook doesn't have to be this huge thing, but just kind of say, what do I want in life? What, what, what's bringing happiness to my life now? What am I interested in? How can I work towards spending more time in the day doing those things that make me happy? And that's the lifestyle change as a whole that I uh, push people towards. And obviously you can't do things that make you happy all the time, every single day, uh, but you can set your life up so that you're not doing things just for other people or, you know, spending time with people that you actually want to spend time with rather than being stuck in a, in an office with people you don't really like just because you're making money and, and all that. And obviously you need money to survive. I'm not saying quit your job straight away, but always definitely be working or researching or, or spending time to get to this other track where you can say that, you know, I've formulated this, lifestyle for myself and i enjoy doing these things and these things are going to bring me happiness they're going to bring me health hopefully they'll bring me wealth as well um but yeah i think it's very important to kind of sit down and and define in words in writing what would success look for me 10 years down the line a perfect day kind of thing and how do i get there and each day how do i make the changes in my life to kind of get to that spot down the line rather than just you know uh, going through the motions of life just because you get up every day, you go to work and you, you never stop because if you do that over and over and over again, you're going to be 10 years down the line and you're like, shit, well, where did that go? You know, I, I haven't actually made any steps towards what I actually really want because I've just been unconscious in my in living of my life and, and not really analyzing where I'm going.
Yeah, it's some some sort of waking up process is needed to to sort of get out of sort of that social stream. And I, yeah. I can totally second what you said about just sitting down uh, with a notepad and writing it out. It's really one of the most powerful exercises you can possibly do is just to just think for just, you know, just a few moments about what you actually want at the end of the yeah. day. It's kind of remarkable to think of, uh, you know, how few people take the time to even conceive of that, you know, and they get just, yeah. you know, sort of swept downstream. Yeah. Where so. do you, I mean, it seems like it's a, it's sort of a common uh, theme, both in health and or like physical health and mental health uh, to be able to, you know, go against the grain and to some extent uh, to sort of uh, question the societal norms to, uh, you know, sort of uh, measure things for yourself. Uh, I mean, do you uh, just, you know, you personally, do you feel optimistic towards the future where more people are able to do that or, or where do you see things headed right now? Well, that's a tough one. I think you're always going to get the majority of people who are either too scared or, or too unaware or, or not conscious of the mainstream society and the information that's given out. And so they will blindly follow the herd. Um, I think that the, the structures are in place now with the internet, especially that anyone that does feel that kind of nagging, like, hmm, maybe something's not right with this. Um, there is the capacity for anyone to just get on their phone or, or computer and, you know, really delve into what else might be out there. Uh, I'm optimistic for that reason because anyone that has that kind of inclination can, can improve their own life at the touch of a button by researching things. But unfortunately, you are going to get, I think the majority of people who just go through the motions and take it as it's uh, given to them. Um, I think there are ideas and, and values that we should try and promote in general, uh, you know, like healthy living, healthy eating. It's going to lead to a healthy mind, which in general, if people are happier and healthier, they're going to make better, better decisions. So as a whole, your community and, and society is going to be healthier and, and work better because of that. So I think it's important for anyone that makes these changes uh, and sees the benefit in their own life to promote that to as many people as possible. And, and that's not to become like a, come on, dude, you got to eat healthy. Like a, that annoying guy. <laughs> I think everyone <laughs> makes that, uh, that mistake, or at least in some part when they, when they start eating healthy and, and start doing better in their life, um, they just want to share it. They go, Oh shit. I didn't realize it was possible to feel this good. And you know, you don't have to be lethargic your whole day. And you know, I, I feel much more optimistic and more energy to do things and pursue things. You want to just share that with people. And sometimes it can, it can come across as like preachy or whatever. Um, so I think it's important to avoid that at the end of the day, the best way to influence the people around you is to, live your own life in a way that inspires others. So when other people see you looking healthier and looking better and, and feeling fitter and having the extra energy to do other things, they go, Oh shit, like he's doing well. And then they'll be curious to ask. And you always got to present the information in a, a non judgmental way and just say, yeah, look, man, this is what I've been doing. This is why I feel better. Um, hopefully you've, you've understood behind the scenes, why you feel better so you can explain it to people that always helps but i am optimistic because 
you know, this, this movement on Twitter and, and all the other, like it is a, a small microcosm of society. It's not everyone. And usually it's people that are interested in this self-improvement world kind of coming to this side of Twitter. But the ideas are permeating to, to other areas of society. And I definitely think it's part of our responsibility to just promote that and, and live through the values that you discover are better for you in terms of your health and mental health and, and social health in general. And that's the only real way to show others that, that, you know, there is another way and there is other information out there and to kind of show people that it's possible. What, what words would you use to describe the, that movement that you're referring to? Cause I'm definitely sensing a similar thing, seeing like a lot of uh, similar sort of pockets of information and sort of like a shared, uh, you know, maybe bandwidth or mindset yeah. that people are starting to starting to have. How would you define that movement? I don't know. I, when you define things, put labels on it, it kind of, you know, it has certain connotations you might not necessarily mean, but mm, yes, true. there's, there's like, it's definitely an adapt, adoption of, of, of extreme personal responsibility and saying this area of my life is, is not the way I want it to. Part of that is my fault. Part of it could be bad luck, but even if it is bad luck, it's still up to you to, to change it, you know? So as far as the movement, I guess it's just uh, people that are fed up with the paradigm of, of how this Western society is going and you're seeing rising suicide rates, you're seeing rising uh, disease rates across the board. So at some point you've got to go, the, the, the thinking person kind of goes, hmm, maybe there's more to it and maybe there's something else that I could be doing because what we're doing at the moment is kind of a downward trend. Um, so I, yeah, as far as the label, I'm not sure, but it's definitely tangible. I definitely feel it. You definitely feel it. And, and I think it, we're going to see a, a more development of that into the mainstream public consciousness, hopefully, uh, over the next five years or so. Yeah. I'm, I'm very curious to see how it sort of manifests because it seems like, you know, we're definitely in the craziest time to ever be alive in so many ways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We like, you know, we talked about very early on here about, you know, just the information that's out there and how you can sort of uh, accumulate all the information about whatever you're interested in and sort of this weird place where the internet is at, where, you know, on one hand, there's more information at our fingertips than ever before. And on the other hand, there's more people vying for your attention and for your mental uh, capacity than ever before. And so it's sort of this, you know, a ch very challenging tool to work with, with the internet, but uh, on the other mm. hand, it could be something that sort of, uh, can make a movement like this even possible yeah the it's 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 like a a blessing and a curse right you totally. have access to all the information but when you also have access to all the information you have access to all the bad information and and the negative social media that that does impact your your mental health as a whole um but i think it's it's more important to actively curate what information and and content you're consuming in general, you know, don't, don't, don't go on Twitter and say, Oh, I'm, I'm, I want to go on the self-improvement Twitter and, and pretend that you're really making changes in your life. When at the end of the day, you're just sitting on your phone, scrolling through content and reading um, and consuming, you know, a few hours a day where you could be consuming 30 minutes of material you know, when you otherwise, you know, on, your, on the bus or something, you can't really be doing anything else, but then actually implementing and, 
and producing uh, content yourself, uh, I think is super important. Like you can't just scroll through Twitter or, or these other things and then not do anything about it because then you're just as bad as, as the people that are, you know, watching stupid Instagram videos of people falling over and just that kind of base level dopamine hit shit content that, that a lot of people <laughs> get stuck into, you know? Totally. I think you nailed it with the words actively curate, curate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, because it really does come down to that. I know that's really one of the beautiful things about Twitter is you can really filter your feed base off the people that you're following versus Instagram yes. is just mindlessly scrolling. And it's beyond the point of, you know, really being anything that you control uh, ever since they sort of stopped you know, displaying things chronologically. I think that's the same case for Facebook yeah. and Instagram where now it's, you know, completely algorithm driven, which means yeah. they're, you know, specifically targeting content to you based off of, uh, you know, whatever factors that what we're not aware of. Yeah, yeah. What, what you clicked on. Yeah, what you clicked on, maybe what you just said out loud. <laughs> yeah, usually hot chicks, yeah. uh, aesthetic things, uh, you yeah. know, violent things, thing, things that are just naturally going to draw you in and sort of it, it's it's similar to like the, you know, the Doritos thing where it's like, it's, it's highly engineered to, you know, to work with our primitive, you know, sort of like primate bodies. It's like the same yeah. thing. Social media there's, is heavily there's teams of scientists whose sole job it is to keep you addicted to that app so that you're spending more time. So you have more chance of seeing the ads so that they can charge more for the ads. And, and it's really important to, uh, to be aware of that. And, you know, if something is free, you are the product. Um, which they can sell. And, you know, there is no free lunch. There is uh, connotations to all the content that you consume. So being aware of that and, and actively curating and, and, and if you are constantly scrolling, just fucking stop. You know, it, it, it's relatively easy. Like, how do I get off my phone? How do I, blah, blah, blah. It's like, just stop. Just put it down. Put it in airplane mode um, and concentrate on the task at hand. Um, I made a tweet about this the other day uh, is that a lot of the reason that people get ideas or, or thoughts or revelations come to them in the shower, right? Everyone's experienced <laughs> that they're in the shower, they're just relaxing and they go, Oh shit, you know, shower thoughts. It's because your phone's not there. The computer's not there. You, hopefully you're not on your phone in the shower. <laughs> I'm sure some people are, you know, stick their hand out of the water and, and still scroll in the shower. But it's the only time of day your brain doesn't have the constant input or, or whatever else. And even if it's not social media, it's texts from your friends. It's, it's whatever else notifications, the, the, the red notification bubble that uh, appears on apps is designed to be contrasting to the, to the color of the app and the background of your phone to be as eye catching as possible. All of these things, which, which drag you in. So another thing with that I recommend is to turn off all notifications for all of your social media. Um, that way you're not getting the doony, you know, those, those yeah. annoying noises, which, which your, your brain then goes, Oh shit, we got another thing to check. And then you're distracted from whatever else you're doing. So notifications off silent mode. Uh, another great one is to go into the accessibility settings of your phone and you can enable the black and white color filter. And what that does is obviously it turns everything on your phone screen to shades of black and white. And that immediately reduces the level of dopamine that your brain is getting from these notifications and, and from the uh, algorithm driven content on your, on your, on your phone. 
so that you kind of get a little bit of a break. Um, it kind of dulls the excitability of the phone. So over time, you naturally check it less uh, and less. And couple that with kind of getting rid of notifications, you know, you don't have to become a recluse in that sense. But whenever you use your phone, have, a, have an active purpose. It's okay, I'm going to check Twitter because I want to respond to this guy that, that messaged me or, or just, you know, read a little bit, 10 minutes or so. And then I'm going to put my phone away, not have a notification, bing, bing, go off. And then you kind of, you're, you've been controlled in a sense to check your phone and, and open it up. And those are just a few things that I do to kind of make sure that my phone, I'm using my phone rather than the phone using you. I, I love the black and white one. I'm going to, I'm definitely going to try that one out. That's interesting. Yeah, that's a big difference. Yeah, really. And it, it, you know, it's, it's just crazy how much we have to dull these, uh, these modern, you know, whether it's technologies or, uh, you know, just options available to us to, to tune into that more natural, you know, just way of living, uh, and to have more control over your own, your own mind. It is, it's, it's a constant assault, really. It's a battle. Um, (laughs) it is like the thing that gets me is, is seeing kids, with iPads at oh from two years old. Like that's so sad to me. And luckily I was kind of the last generation where, you know, I, I had a smartphone at the start of, I think it was, you know, mid high school. Um, yeah. And yep. then you notice the difference, like my sleep went to shit because I was messaging people until the early hours in the morning. Um, otherwise just that was the first kind of realm of having your own entertainment system at home and things like that. But it's even worse now because kids are getting it from effectively from the womb because people don't want to engage with their kids or they don't want to do things outside and it's easy to just give your kid the iPad. And man, when I see that, I just, I cry a little bit on the inside because I know that they're, they're being conditioned and, you know, having those reward pathways uh, put through the electronics from such an early age that it, it would be so hard uh, to, to kind of break that later on. And, you know, whenever you see a group of kids that are young teenagers out and about now, they're all head down, walking around with their phones. Everyone's recording everything all the time. Um, and it just must be, you know, it just, it's not good. It's yeah, not good. And not to mention, we don't know the side effects of where, where this is going to lead that whole generation of kids that are growing up on these devices. Um, oh man. It's, it's like the cigarettes <laughs> of our time, truly. Oh, a hundred percent. If not worse. Even worse. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause it's, I mean, it's one thing to have something that dramatically affects your physical health, but when you have something that this is, you know, dramatically affecting your mental health, especially kids, you know, their brains are still so, they have so much development left to do to give them these, you know, hyper stimulating devices is pretty crazy. So the, it's like yeah. the reward pathways are paved with marketing. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. The marketing is important to mention because, the other thing is like, yes, they're addicted to the devices, whatever, but when they're on the devices all the time and using apps like Snapchat and Instagram and, and all the rest is that those platforms get a certain worldview or only certain information gets presented to them or, or pushed to those, to those users. So you're having a small group of companies that are obviously enormous now, YouTube as well, that they get to deliver their own version of reality when if that's the only reality that you're consuming uh, 80, 90% of your day, 
then you have an entire generation of people that are going to only have really been experiencing information that has been curated for them and approved for them and as part of a, a corporate worldview, which I think is, is not related and it's not representative of the real world. Um, so all of that is kind of another layer of it that, that is going to be that kind of conditioning, another level of conditioning that is going to be hard to break later on. Yeah. I mean, it's getting really creepy now. I mean, um, there's some, uh, like digital movies that have been edited. Parts of it have been edited and it's sort of like, well, you know, I, I bought the, the original movie here. I didn't expect to get some sort of like Amazon edit out of this film. Yes. Uh, and you know, the more things transition to electronic versions, the less control we have over the content in there, you know, like this sort of 1984 reality can really, uh, can be even worse than the book described. You know, if we had all of our books were electronic, you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. When you get, when you get companies that are the only source of like, for instance, YouTube is, you know, there are other video providers. It's a monopoly. And when you have a monopoly, whether or not there's some evil group of people on the board of YouTube, which I don't think is always the case or necessarily the case, I don't think the individuals are actively saying, you know, we need to condition the youth and all that thing, all that kind of thing. But just by nature of, of corporations, everyone is acting within their own position. They don't want to lose their own job. And, and what you get is this kind of hive mind where the corporation acts as its own thing um, and delivers its own kind of message with no real end inside of that because they keep on getting bigger and they keep on monopolizing the content that gets out and they can cut content that they don't, that doesn't fit their worldview. And then if that's the only content that people are consuming, you know, not allowing certain books to be sold on the only bookstore. And, and I think we're seeing a, kind of magnification of that through the COVID-19 world is like everyone's moving to streaming more because they can't leave their house. So they're watching more Netflix and, and all the rest of it. And we're kind of seeing it coalesce into some hyper concentrated form where everyone has to order from the same place, you know, get groceries delivered from Amazon. Um, and you can only have to look at uh, Jeff Bezos's net worth to see what, how he's kind of benefited from this lockdown situation. Um, and I think it's super important that people are aware of that and maybe kind of implement things like, okay, try and buy locally as much as possible. You know, I buy things through Amazon sometimes when it's impossible to find anywhere else and, you know, they have a good service and, and all the rest of it. But if you can, you know, support the local shops in your area and, and make sure that you're not just mindlessly ordering from one company and, and all the rest of it. Yeah. I mean, uh, to touch on what you said before with, you know, like there's like, as if there would be some sort of like evil cabal of people, you know, uh, yeah. at the top of any of these companies, it's like that, uh, saying goes the road to hell is paved with good intentions you know it's not even so much that these people are trying to create any sort of like you know creepy dystopia or anything it's just that uh the nature of a large organization and the shifting of accountability and trying to do the right thing is not always possible and we're not always able to deliver on that and it doesn't take you know uh many mistakes to lead us into a really dark area yeah and i think that's why 
you know, the book 1984, we can look at it and say, oh shit, that's actually happening right now. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not this fictional thing anymore. And I think it was, it was so poignant and relevant because it's almost just a, uh, an analysis of the natural course of action when corporations do get bigger and, and society does get better and technology kind of develops in that sense is it's like a unnatural natural progression of, of how these power structures are set up and how that can influence society as a whole. And, and you really have to be aware of that and try and break out of that as much as possible in your day-to-day life. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, and it's, it's crazy because I think it all comes back to, you know, we were talking about originally, like to be able to break out of this, uh, you know, over commercialized world, uh, or this, you know, sort of over programmed reality is, you know, to focus on the small things, like just getting away from the basic advice about things, you know, getting out into the, into the sunlight, you know, do just, it's like, sort of just a, yeah, into nature and, and, uh, you know, appreciating what technology can do for us, but not letting it trample, you know, our, our natural state and our natural happiness that we should be able to experience. Exactly. It's a tool, right? And if you're using a tool, um, to in, in, in a means to your own ends, then that's great. But you always have to be aware that the tool can, you can spend too much time doing it. And if it's not a productive use of it, then just get rid of it. Um, you know, get rid of TikTok. I don't think that's, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't think there are really any benefits to that, especially if you're scrolling through it, but, but using technology as a tool, like, Technology as a whole, I think, has been a benefit. It would be good if we could just cap technology here, right? Like we have internet. I know, right? We can, we can call people across the side of the world and, you know, being able to pick up your phone and FaceTime your grandma who's, who's the other side of the world is amazing and is, you know, all the credit to the people that have created FaceTime and things like that. Um, I think that's important and, you know, who wants to still be stuck in, sending a letter and waiting months for a response and things like that. You know, there are ways to utilize the technology and, and see the benefits of it without having it control your life and without it uh, impacting you at least um, only in a negative way. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And it's, it's kind of a scary thought to consider that, you know, maybe we're just stuck in this motion of, of technology because, you know, where we're at might not be, currently sustainable so it's like you, you you know it's like it's hard to justify staying in the same place technologically it's like oh we could use some more medical innovations or more energy op, you know like uh yeah energy op, yeah. Uh, optimizations and uh you know it's sort of it's like sort of a never-ending uh need for more and more but uh yeah certainly i think it just goes to to appreciating where we're at today and trying to utilize the tools to the most responsible degree possible a hundred percent well Soul bra, man. This has been phenomenal. I really appreciate uh, you letting me pick your brain here and and ask you all these questions and, and for you to share all this information. Um, hey, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate everyone listening. Um, yeah, it's been it's been great so far. I'm sure we'll do it again down the line. Yeah, I'd love to, man. And and for everyone out there listening, would you mind telling them where, where they can find you and all platforms and such? Yeah, sure. So Twitter is Solbra. That's S-O-L-B-R-A-H. Uh, I have my website, solbra.com, spelled the same. Um, and obviously, Instagram is real Solbra. I know we're talking shit about Instagram, but, you know, if you're interested in my content, follow me. <laughs> don't scroll through it all day. You know, I don't want to encourage that. But 
yeah, if you're interested in, in all that, uh, I'm on social medias. So, so check those out. Um, give me a follow and, um, yeah. Cool, man. And before we, uh, wrap it up for good, do you have any final words or, uh, asks or requests or anything from the audience? Um, not really. I'd just say, you know, maybe try and implement a few of the things that, that I've talked about. I guarantee that they'll help you in your life. And, uh, if you have any other further questions, feel free to DM me. Um, I'm pretty active on the, on the Instagram DM. So if you know, any questions at all, I don't mind helping out with you. And, and that's the aim of the game with what I'm doing with this soul breath thing is to try and help as many people and, and, and help people take control of, of their physical health, uh, their mental health as a whole. So yeah, just in general, try and implement those things and see if they work for you and, and go from there. Excellent, man. Well, thank you again. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, brother. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed that episode, please hit the subscribe button and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. You can find us on Twitter at KWC pod on Instagram at knowledge without college podcast. You can find me Patrick Butler at Patrick Butler zero zero on Instagram and Twitter. I encourage you to send over any feedback you have. If there's any guests you'd like to hear on the show, any topics you'd want to hear discussed. I want to know about it. I want to hear your feedback and opinions. So please help me make this a better experience for you. And I look forward to hearing from you. Have an excellent day and thanks for listening.